Welcome to the Thomas Anonymous Show with your host, Tommy Natoli. That's me. This is the best LGBTQ plus podcast featuring members and allies of the community. They share their experiences growing up, coming out, and all the fun in between. It's hilarious, poignant, and salacious. So you better buckle up, because it's going to be a truthful, sparkly ride. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today's show is the rest of my talk with the fabulously talented, beautiful soul that is the Empress, a.k.a. Matthew Muriel. I had such a good time on this episode, you guys. I mean, of course, I always love doing this show, but I felt like so many similarities with Matthew while we talked, and our conversation is exactly why I even started this podcast. And it, um, you know, <laughs> it heartens me, if that's a, an expression, uh, that people are even talking about the things uh, that used to make me feel like I was having a mental breakdown. So, yay! To, uh, to be able to validate little baby Thomas Anonymous and to know that others feel the same way I did and experienced the same things is like super healing and priceless. So yeah, I love it. Anyway, if you listened to the last episode, which why would you be here for part two if you didn't listen to part one? What's going on? Get out of here. But Matthew and I talked about our crushes on each other from 12 years ago. And I was thrown off by the topic. In fact, like right before we went live, I actually, I do a little pep talk to myself and I uh, kind of questioned, I was like, should I even say, should I say something about the crush? But I was like, no, be, and I was like surprised in the moment. And what I didn't get to like explain because I was just like, all right, move along, move along. <laughs> nothing to see here, nothing to see here. But what I didn't get to explain was the funny thing about our whole like meeting story at the comedy store and, and the whole like crush thing is that after meeting, I went home and of course Facebook friended because it was 2009 and that was like an exciting thing to do at the time. And I swear to God, Matthew, if you're listening to this, <laughs> you have to let me know because I swear in his Facebook profile at the time, it said that he was engaged to a girl. And I don't remember the girl's name. Maybe it was Nina. I, I mean, maybe it was just like a funny thing. I'm sure it was just like some kind of joke, but I swear it was, uh, you know, you go to the profile, it's a person's name and picture, and then it was like engaged to like some girl. And I kept thinking Matthew was straight for like <laughs> for like six months until we were eventually booked on the same comedy show. And it was a rainbow gay night. And girl, when I got that flyer to promote and I see all of our pictures on the little gay flyer, it was like Oh, peace of mind. Like, <laughs> like, and at that point, like the crush didn't even matter. It was just like, oh my God, thank God he is gay. <laughs> oh, so stupid. Anyway, isn't life funny? Hilaire. Okay. <laughs> you guys, let's get back into it with Thomas Anonymous and the Empress. <laughs> Wait, but did you know what come was when you came? No, I didn't. Joey Kruniak told me in fourth grade that cum was like moss that grew around the base of your dick. So I thought that cum, what? I thought that sperm, I didn't think that it was any, I had no idea that you had this whole like internal, um, you know, reproductive system that like, <laughs> yeah, I didn't know what sperm was. I had no idea. So I was just like, yeah, I was mind blown. Man, society has really failed us as kids. I'm sorry. <laughs> really bad. Like, the fact that I knew how to put on a condom, but I didn't know anything else was so fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> so, I've never, ever spoken about this. I don't think ever. It's so weird that I've never really even thought about it until now in years. But, like, I must have been 12 years old. 
And I remember for like a few, few days, I would get like this raging boner every day and I didn't know what was happening or I knew I knew like I had directions before but like I didn't understand why it was like so um intense like yeah yeah intense and I would go to the bathroom and sit on the toilet and just like kind of look at it like what the fuck and then (laughs) and then like I touched it it. (laughs) yeah and then I like touched it and it felt really good and then um it was like probably the third day that this happened and I touched it and it just like exploded and I was like what the fuck is happening I was Tommy I was so scared not it this must have been okay I'm gonna age myself right now but when I was 12 years old it was 1989 1990 so I knew what age was Uh, yeah good Madonna years I knew what age (laughs) was because it was like all over the news all the time and I knew that AIDS was a gay disease so that's what yeah because that's what the media was telling us and um i knew that i was gay but even though i was deeply in denial so i immediately thought i had that this meant i had aids and that this was something to do with aids and i remember sneaking into the school library which being that it was a jewish school i'm so surprised they had this but they had like a book about like aids in the library like it was like a small like not a pamphlet but not a book kind of something in between and i didn't want to check it out because i was embarrassed so i like stuck it in my pants and stole it and (laughs) (laughs) took this like book home i don't remember reading the book or what was in the book or anything like that but um i even though i was terrified and i thought i I must have read it and realized i didn't have aids um and then after that i was just jacking off all the time and then yes, one of course. morning, <laughs> one morning, my dad came to my bed. This was horrifying. He oh, no. sat on the side of my bed and I just pretended I was still asleep. And he goes, son. And I was like, mm, what? You mm. know, like, I've never been a morning <laughs> person. So this wasn't out of character. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, sometimes boys have sperm. And I just Uh-oh. remember thinking, oh, my oh God, God. <laughs> oh my this God. is horrible. I hate my dad so much right now. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, and I just stayed quiet. And he goes, uh, I think he said, like, have you had sperm? And I just went, mm, mm. <laughs> <He was like, laughs> that's all I remember of the conversation. That was it. Oh, my God. Like, walking out of the room and me being so mortified yeah oh my god (laughs) i love that just grunt and it was like understood understood (laughs) (laughs) see that's what i'm talking i see i love uh that you've never told that story and because it's not some i ask the hard-hitting questions that people really need to know here so (laughs) i'm so so grateful that you shared that with me and I'm sorry if I was like too nosy, but I just uh, I no. love these stories. See, these are such weird stories people don't usually share at dinner parties. Well, here's the thing: I'm thinking about it when you told me what the question was, and I ordinarily would probably, up until recently, would have probably been like, "I'm not answering that question." But the truth of the matter is, especially with all that we're discussing, like saying how nobody, we didn't know anything because nobody taught us anything, or there was no representation, yeah. like. I think it's important to talk about sex and it's important to talk about masturbation and it's important to talk about these things because who knows who's listening and it's exactly 
It's very natural yeah. and it's a normal thing and we should not, it should not be stigmatized. I'm not saying go talk about your fucking every time to everybody, every <laughs> but yeah. like it should be talked about. Like people shouldn't be ashamed of it. It's all natural. It's part of, it's part of being a human being. It's one of the driving forces of being a human being, you know? Exactly. Like I said earlier, like if I was a kid and I had like access to podcasts, I would have loved to have heard this because, you know, you are not the first person. There are so many of us that, and this is the power of the media, honestly, that we're so convinced we had AIDS just by like jerking yeah. off, just by like yeah. not even, you know, I didn't even have contact with a man for years. And I was so convinced that that yeah. condom and like my thoughts like gave me HIV AIDS like so exactly. so it's it, it's silly as it is like it is kind of it's important to talk about it because there there could be that kid in Ohio you know tuning into Thomas and Thomas yeah and I mean also <laughs> you have to keep in mind like I think kids now are more savvy because of what's out there now sure. at that time like there really was nothing I mean. Mm-hmm the only representation of gay people I remember at that time was AIDS. Like that was it. That was all yeah. like that. And what like Madonna showed us, Madonna was the only person showing us anything positive. Everything else well, was like AIDS, AIDS, AIDS. And it was, it would, they, they put the fear of God in everybody. You know? I, exactly. I was, you know, it was like 1995 when I was, when I was 12 doing this jerking off thing, but yeah, say, you know, I, Madonna, like the you know, the only reason I was ever so drawn to all that because it was the only place I could see gay people. Like I, I knew I could go to Video Junction, rent Truth or Dare, and I would be in like this crazy world that apparently existed outside of my small town. So yeah, yeah I, I, I totally get that. It was like it was like a window into like what could be like, oh wow, like there's like a cool world out there. Hundred <laughs> percent. I want to be a backup you- dancer. The fucking young gays don't even know it, which is why it pisses me off so much when they're like, fuck Madonna, she's a crit. You have no idea young I know, I know. what she did for us. Like, I don't care what she does now. She pisses me the fuck off sometimes. But <laughs> at the end of the I day, know. I will tell you, she was the, literally the only person in the media or in public who was saying that it's okay to be gay. And she showed it to us. She was the only person showing us positive representation of queer life like literally at that level she really changed the game in that respect so we ha- we should really respect that um absolutely so the, young, the youngins need to uh need to respect and, and know you know it's like you, you didn't see guys kissing like that's where i first no. saw guys kissing like that was that was that Me was too. crazy i like broke my brain i mean like i mean yeah. of course it was hot <laughs> and like i jerked off to it like crazy but Me like too. It, it was just like it was amazing, you know, and, and people don't get that. Like you got you guys grew up with boys and girls kissing in every movie and every Disney movie. But like <laughs> Truth or Dare was my fucking Disney, you know, like exactly. Did you the first so. time I saw it was on video and I just kept rewinding it and I, I must have gotten the biggest heart on too. Like I did. I remember just like, oh, my God, they're so beautiful. And they're kissing. So like it changed my life and it changed a lot of people's lives. Oh yeah, I I paused and 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 just uh, in the end, uh, truth or dare scene, Carlton actually takes his dick out, but it's so fast. I was going to say that you have to be on that pause button, but you can fully see his dick if you're on it. And if you're a kid in the nineties, <laughs> you have the time. <laughs> Trust me. That's so funny. I was just going to say that. That and then also, I mean, this wasn't gay, but the Doors movie. I don't know if you ever saw that with um, Val Kilmer. There's a scene 
like where Jim Jim Morrison famously exposed himself on stage and got arrested for it. And of course they showed oh, yeah. And there's a scene where he's on stage and he's like, you want to see it? And he takes it out. But you don't actually get to see anything. But I kept pausing, rewinding and pausing, trying to get a glimpse of Val Kilmer as Jim Morrison's dick. And to this day, I am so attracted to Jim Morrison. You have no idea. Oh, my God. I love that. I only saw that one time. But I mean, like, that's another thing the kids don't understand. The, 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 the struggle of the pause button on a VCR. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah. Listen, we didn't have porn just at our fingertips. Like, it was exciting if you came across porn, you know? Yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. (laughs) All right. We got some messages built up here from our lovely listeners. I'm going to play these messages, and then I'm going to get into those uh, gay James Lipton. You know, I used to just steal all the James Lipton questions, and then I was like, these are really fucking boring. Like, I need to change some of these questions, James. Like, I love you, but... (laughs) But, uh, yeah, let's see who we have on the... On the- so, hey, guys, um, it's me, um, and I was just checking out a lot of Michael Douglas' uh, material. You know Michael Douglas from Fatal Attraction and Basic Instinct, and maybe you know him from other movies, but super sexy, man. You wouldn't have to guess it, but he has some moves. Horror sexy. Really? <laughs> this guy's full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I know, first-hand experience. Mike. Like, have you seen Michael Douglas? Like, you have... No, you're wrong. Okay, but I will give him... Would this. you so fuck Michael one? Douglas today? <laughs> today? <laughs> Listen, today. there was this one scene in Basic Instinct, though, where, because he played, like, a detective, where somebody asked him, like, what were you like as a 17-year-old? He's like, I was an asshole, and I jerked off a lot. And I remember thinking that was the like, sexiest <laughs> thing in the world, but he said that. <laughs> I wonder if the next message is about Michael Douglas. Let's see. What movie are you talking about? Aw. We're talking we were talking about Truth or Dare. But it's the Madonna documentary Truth or Dare. Did you see the uh the one they did with the dancers a couple years ago? Like Strike a Pose or something or Vogue or something like that? Yeah, I it did was like see the, it. the the reunion documentary. Oh my god, I'm totally into all that shit. Yeah. I'm, I'm, listen, I'm a big Madonna nerd. I'm a Madonna freak, and I did watch it. And it, it was so sad that the one, um, the one who passed away was the one who I had the biggest crush on. Forgot his name. Uh, Gabriel. Gabriel. I thought he was yeah. so beautiful. He was so cute. And he made out with the other guy. He was the one who, like, made out with, Slam. I forget his name, Berlin stress guy. Yeah. Slam. <laughs> and, you know, wow. um, I brought that up because, like, that, like, I had no, you, you had no idea that like, you know, they were going through this great experience, but like so many of them had HIV and were just so mm. terrified the whole time that everyone was going to fight. That's what I thought was so interesting about that movie. It was like, you know, it was this whole other flip side of it. Cause I've always like you had this whole different experience of that movie. And then to see that, I mean, I wish, uh, I wish they could have had like, <laughs> if Madonna wasn't such a bitch, I wish she could have like come out and they could have all had a reunion, but but that was a really uh, interesting documentary, I thought. Yeah, it was. I, I'm going to need to watch that again, actually. It was really, t- I remember thinking it was really touching. It was, sad. It was yeah. so interesting hearing about their lives after, you know, they were so young. And then they go on this tour with like the most famous pop star in the world at the time. Um, and this, this like the, probably the most game changing tour ever. If yeah. Those of you who don't know. Madonna set the blueprint for female pop 
every concert, concert as we ever. know them now. every concert yeah like she yeah. created this new blueprint which um so it was a game-changing like huge spectacle of a show and so they're like living in this like incredible reality and then it's over and then yeah they kind of have to navigate going back to like this normal life of being like a dancer who goes on auditions and so on and so forth. And it's just really sad. Like didn't one of them said he became like a heroin addict and like, yeah, it's very sad. And they all ended up like half of them ended up suing her because of whatever. And just super interesting. Yeah. I I actually had to watch it in kind of like chunks. Cause I did as like, into it as I was it was really it did have a lot of sad moments I had to like kind of stop because it was a bit depressing like as I went through the movie you know but yeah but yeah for anyone out there they need to uh they need to watch Truth Dare they need to watch that they sh- actually should go on YouTube and watch the Blonde Ambition tour because like I didn't do that until like last summer because I just always seen clips of it it's not like one of those you know concert DVDs that are out there and that mm. that was like the best day of my summer last year when I like actually really? got to watch all of Blonde Ambition. <laughs> yeah. I Okay, you want to know something? I went to Blonde Ambition tour. <gasps> yes, oh, my bitch. God. Oh, my God. 13 You're years old. People. <laughs> my so parents kept of. asking me, what do I want for my bar mitzvah present? And I kept saying, I just want to go to the Madonna concert. I just want to go to the... I still oh have my, my ticket stubs. I went to Wembley Stadium, July 22nd, 1990, and that was the best day of my life. I lived every <sighs> fantasy I had. You, I mean, I was obsessed with the woman. So <sighs> I went. Wasn't and that just, just keep in mind, like, uh, when you watch the show now, it's, it, it has moments that are, like, still, like, definitely incredible. But it, I could see somebody watching it now and being like, well, what's the big deal? But you have to understand, yeah. again, like, nobody had a show like that before, like, with an, a, an arc, a beginning, a middle, an end, like, four sections, yeah. costume changes, like, that level of theatricality just didn't exist. Um, so, yeah. props it, to a it legend. Was, it was all theatrics. And even even when I was watching it, you know, uh, last summer, I, I, I love the show, of course, but I even had that thought of like, oh, it's like four people on stage right now. Like, it's really not that. Yeah, I mean, compared to now, <laughs> where there's like ramps and skateboarders and people jumping and poles. And I mean, like now you go to a Madonna concert and it's like the fucking circus rolled up to the forum, you know. But, um, um, but yeah, it's, I've uh, been to it's every tour since then, by the way. Oh, I hate you. <laughs> With the exception, no way. I didn't. I didn't go to the girly show because that didn't come to LA, and I was still like just a teenager um, at that point. But um, from the drama oh, yeah, right. tour onward, I've been to every show. I even went to the Madame X show at the Wiltern and put eight hundred and fifty dollars on my credit card for the day of, and I had. I was in the second row in the pit, and it was really worth it. Are you kidding? I was. I know. I, I I spent like a whole paycheck and I got third row in the pit and it was the <gasps> second night which ended up becoming the first night because the first night got canceled. Oh, no shit. So my first one was a reinvention tour and I was like in the worst like why did you sell this fucking seat Madonna seat? And it was like <laughs> it was like a nosebleed seat behind the stage. Um, and then I didn't go to another one until MDNA, but then I've been to Rebel Heart and Madame X. Now I'm like, now I'm a grown up and I will go to every, you know, fucking Madonna thing I can go to. But yeah, that Madame X thing was, um, I was really furious about the price. I mean, I'm always furious about the Madonna price, but, um, yeah. but still like couldn't pass up the opportunity to like be in a small theater that close to her, you know? 
Same. And I also, I also just was like, is this going to be the last time she ever goes on tour? Like, no, she's no spring chicken. And we saw like she was injured half the time. So (laughs) I feel like she was miserable. (laughs) It was like, okay, step touch, step touch. Cool. We're just going to step touch the whole time. I'm into that. No deep, no deep squat jumps. I hear you, mom. (laughs) It was such an interesting show though, because it was really designed to be like this intimate night. But I, I felt like being so literally like feet away from her, I felt like it was not in, she was not genuinely connected in an intimate way. Call me crazy. No. That's the impression it, I got. Yeah, I think that they were like they probably felt like they had this whole cabaret vibe. But I still definitely felt like I was at a Madonna concert just at a smaller venue. I didn't feel like, you know, and I know she came in, the, did that like, you know, part where she comes in and sits down and talks to a person. But yeah, I definitely didn't feel that super intimate thing they were going for i and maybe that's just because she is fucking madonna you know like to me it's just always it's it's just a big show um yeah. i'm excited to see whatever kind of video thing they come out with because like my thing is when i go i, I always miss everything that's going around because i'm just so zoned in on the queen you know so i'm excited to see yeah. what else happened in that fucking show because i don't know <laughs> me too me too <laughs> All right, let's get to these uh, final 10 questions. I'm so sorry to take you on a Madonna rant, but, you know, it's, it's rare that I get someone who's me. It's, it's rare I get someone who speaks my Madonna language, you know? Like, most people are like, what? Huh? Who? <laughs> do not I'm, get I'm me loving. started. Like, I could literally go on for days. Like, I, I know, we could do a whole... <laughs> there could be a whole separate uh, podcast just talking about that. You know, I was so convinced when I was a kid. I was like, I'm going to win, like, multiple Academy Awards. I'm going to be on Actors Studio. You know, so this is just my way of making my dream come true. So uh, we are going to... Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say we could call it the Factor Studio. I, that's really dumb. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, okay, let's get into it. I want to know, Matthew, what is your favorite and your least favorite word? Okay, I'm really, this is not like, okay. I did, and you did send me the questions and I did go over them. So thank you for that. But it's hard for me because I, I feel like you don't have a least favorite or favorite word because I feel like most, like all words have value. Um, but I, so thinking about the meaning of words, I would say my favorite word is integrity because I, I really Ooh, yeah. value integrity. Um, and I think I don't really have a least favorite word. So this is like hard for me, but I know most people would say something like moist or something that makes like, <laughs> you don't like the sound of, <laughs> yeah. which I never understood why so many people hate the word moist, but okay. Um, I know. So I think I, I'm going to say mean because I don't like meanness, even though I have been mean in my life, I try not to be and mean, mean people are gross. So Oh, I love that. And I love your favorite word because like, that's what I want to get that word. Uh, very small somewhere in my body. Integrity. It's a great word. Great word. Wait, does the word have to be an English word? No. Okay. So actually I'm going to, I do love the word integrity because I, I love integrity. Um, but because um, you said you want to get that word tattooed on yourself. The last time I was in Israel, um, I was at this museum and they had this whole part uh, section about Leonard Cohen and his last album which was very Jewish because uh, he was Jewish and he really kind of dove into his Jewishness and he had a song called mm-hmm. Hineni and the word Hineni is mentioned in the Torah like 
I don't know how many times. And it's an exclamation meaning I'm here. And I really equate that to my queerness because a lot of um, Orthodox Jewish people don't recognize queer people as being Jewish, even though we're Jewish and it's an ethno religion. So we're Jewish, whether you like it or not. Um, So (laughs) I really want to get the word Hineni tattooed on myself because I really love that word because it's like, I'm present, I'm here. So yeah. Hineni, I like that. Yeah, H-I-N-E-N-I, although it's Hebrew, so I guess you could spell it however you want. So this next one, I, I give up to three because I know people get really fussy. I, I originally <laughs> had it as one gay icon, but I know as, as queer and gay people, we just can't. So who are your top three gay icons? I mean, I don't think it's a mystery who my number one gay icon is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've covered that. <laughs> so it's Madonna. I'm also going to say RuPaul and... I have a love-hate relationship with RuPaul because from everything I hear about him, he's not the nicest person. Um, And I'm very intimidated by that. I don't deal well with people who are in a position of power who are not nice. Um, But I don't know. I I don't know. I don't know it firsthand. But what I will say is that RuPaul was the first time I ever saw a drag queen and was able to put... um, a name to how I felt about who I am um, and has really revolutionized um, drag. I mean, really normalized it in a way that it was not, it was very fringe before. Um, So I mad props to that, like so much respect for that. And um, is Janis Joplin a gay icon? I don't know, but I love Janis Joplin. I think so. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I wouldn't, people probably don't think of her as, you know, she's not up there with Judy Garland, but I mean, yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, I loved Marilyn Monroe as well when I was a kid, and I still do. So, oh my me. god, yeah. Well, and and just back to RuPaul, like I like, uh, you know, when RuPaul first came out and was like, I mean, that was that was kind of crazy that there was like a drag queen, you know, on the radio. On, like I was like so like just like weirdly fascinated, confused. Like I was so intrigued by RuPaul and cover girl and like the video and then she'd like go on Oprah and I you know like just like how do they talk like what is this oh my god like it was just it was mind-blowing to me and and yeah I think that that's an appropriate icon for sure I mean it was so when I first saw it was when he first came out in like 93 with cover girl and I was in yeah not cover girl uh supermodel and I was in high school and I just it's like it's interesting that you were confused because I was like um I knew exactly what it was immediately and I identified with it immediately I love so yeah like I loved RuPaul I still love RuPaul I just wish he was nicer (laughs) I know (laughs) I know I know I've heard I've just heard so many you know but who knows? I don't. I don't know. I mean, the the yeah. shamans have predicted you are going to be on season fourteen, so we'll see. Ah. We'll see. Well, I'm, I hate to break it to you, but the cutoff date for that audition tape is tomorrow, and I do not have an audition tape, <gasps> so I won't be on season fourteen. But oh, no. I have decided, and don't hold me to this, but because I've been very back and forth about the show, like I, I'm one of those yeah. people, like I'm 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 a natural born rebel. So anytime something becomes the norm, I tend to kind of go against it. And I'm really 
began sure. to get frustrated with people asking me, when are you going to be on RuPaul's Drag Race? It's like the first question is if that's somehow going to legitimize me. Um, right. And I also don't like, again, the desperation I see in so many drag queens. It's just like that is their number one goal. And I understand yeah. like that. It, there's not that many outlets for us to get us the level of success. So that bothers me. But I did decide, I think I, I am going to put my energy towards creating an audition tape for next year, which would be season 15. And I'm going to start doing it like now. So it's not like Good. this mad rush at, like because they really yeah. didn't give yeah. a lot of time this year. Usually they give you two months. This year it was like, okay, in four weeks the tapes are due. And it was like, uh, no. <laughs> no, no <laughs> I need four I weeks think just to process it. Um, I love what uh, what you were saying on, I think, the last episode of the Cooking the Queens and, and what Teddy was telling you. Like, I think your perspective, like what you're talking about right now, is like, what they need i mean i love i love the show but like you're right like they're just there needs to uh i don't know someone needs to go on there and like honestly you know love love drag and be drag but like not um conform to the drag i guess standard of whatever whatever that is in the mainstream now you know yeah i mean it really that's the downside of it too right it's really set the standard of what it's supposed to be and what i don't appreciate is is when it's um when it's kind of perpetuated by the people doing the show like even the yeah. last episode when RuPaul, when RuPaul asked if uh, Got Mick was the lip sync assassin, and Got Mick was like, "Well, I wouldn't say I'm a lip sync assassin, but I can slay a song." And Ru was like, "Ah, oh. right." Like kind of like, uh-huh. well, what if she wasn't a lip sync assassin? What if you're not a lip? Is that like supposed to be like the measure of confidence? I think it takes right. more confidence to say I'm not a lip sync assassin if you know you're not a lip sync assassin, right? Yeah. Um, so that's the kind of thing that bothers me. And I even did fill out the application for this year. And I did, I, they wrote, one of the questions is like, what makes you, tell us why you're America's Next Drag Superstar. And I just wrote down, I don't know if I'm America's Next Drag Superstar. I can tell you about me and who I am and why I'd be good for your show. But I'm not going to, yeah. I'm, I'm starting to get annoyed now. I'm America's Next Drag Superstar <laughs> because, well, there's Man. freaking 15 of you or something. And only one of you is really America's Next Drag Superstar. Right. The rest of you just sound like a bunch of chumps now. Like, Come on. <laughs> so true. So true. I love I, I love it. And I love your perspective. So definitely keep keep uh keep going at it. So we'll 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 all Thank rally you. for season 15. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Uh, I need to know what like what turns you on creatively? Like how do you get inspired? Um, like a lot of things inspire me. I and I think on the surface level, I'm really inspired by imagery specifically fashion and clothing um Mm -hmm. but i because you can really tell a story with fashion and i love that um yeah all your pictures tell a story all your instagram pictures are like fucking stories it's like oh my god this bitch is living (laughs) thank you i try you know i try to i try to like get you with the imagery and then you read the caption and it's like oh you know yeah (laughs) But I love, I love, I'm a very visual person. I love fashion. I, I love seeing a fashion show with, when I see like a Valentino Couture or Alexandre Vautier or, or 90s Terry Mugler, these incredible designers and what they create. I'm so inspired by that. Like, I want to wear that. But on a deeper level, um, what really, really inspires me is seeing things that kind of take social norms and turn them on their head. Um, yeah, like, like social societal status quo being 
fucked up is such a turn on to me and like especially when it comes to like gender norms and stuff like i love that so much like i love seeing a hot woman in a freaking tuxedo like marlena dietrich in a tuxedo in the 1930s next level i love that and still being able to like be feminine like i love that so much like this sort of breaking down of gender norms is so cool to me that really excites me Totally. I love that. I love that. What, um, so if you had to make like one song be like the Matthew personal anthem, what would that song be? I had such a hard time with this question. I know. I I know. It's hard hitting questions. This is real journalism here. (laughs) (laughs) It really is a hard question. And I think it should be a hard question. And here's why, because if I truly believe that we're not meant to be stagnant people. We're meant to be people that are continuously growing and evolving and learning. And if you grow and evolve and learn, your moods are going to change and your ideas and what you like are going to grow and change. So I don't have one song. Like there's lots of, what would it be now? What would your, what would your song now be? Cause you're right. Like the the anthem of 25 year old version of you versus 20 year old 15, you know, we're always going to be like, so what would your what would your song of like recent be, like the 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 right now song? Oh God, well I'm really into the new Kylie Minogue song, but that's like not a deep song at all. <laughs> it doesn't. I feel like I don't even know what. I'll it's take called, it. That's perfect. But I did. Kylie, no, I did. I did like do a deep dive within myself and think what song kind of stands the test of time that I connect with, and yeah. I would say it's David Bowie's Rebel Rebel, just because that lyric got your mother in a world she's not sure if you're a boy or girl i identified with so hard when i was 15 years old and i still identify so hard with that so i'm gonna say rebel rebel by david bowie and rebel i mean you are rebel rebel so that's perfect i think that fits perfectly 100 percent. always have been always will be let's talk noises what 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 sound (laughs) what sound talk noises (laughs) what 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 do you like love to hear versus like hate to hear um, I love natural uh, water. Like I love hearing the ocean at nighttime. I Ooh, love. Yeah. I love. Remember, I mentioned I went. I did that gay cruise. Um, I, mm-hmm. I performed stand up on that gay cruise. I had a room with a balcony, and I wanted to keep the balcony door open all night and sleep listening to the ocean. Um, I took Nina with me, and she was like, uh, "No, we're not doing that." <laughs> but I, <laughs> Like, my dream would be to have a house, like, one of those houses that's, like, over the ocean on Malibu. Oh, and just yeah. With the door open all the time and listen to this warm summer, like, feel the warm summer air and hear the ocean. And I also love the sound of rain. So cancerian. I'm such a typical cancer. Um, and the, the water. Sound, I love the water. Anything with water. I love water. I love drinking <laughs> water. I love feeling water. I love water. I don't like having sex in water, though, actually. It no, always trips me no. out that people love having sex in the shower. I hate it. It doesn't feel No, good. what a hassle. Nobody, wh- why are we going to do this? Like, this is ridiculous. Uh, I agree. No water sex. Well, because wa- water doesn't make you feel, like, soft and slippery and slidey. It just feels like, <laughs> makes you feel rubbery. I don't like that. Right. I know. <laughs> I feel like I'm working at an aquarium. Like, let's get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so usually I ask people what they uh what their drag name would be, but in your case, I want to know how you how you found your drag name. No, but wait a minute, you didn't you didn't get to what my my least favorite sound is. 
Oh yeah, what do you hate to hear? Sorry, but I had listen. I worked really hard on these questions last night. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I know I gave you homework. I'm such a cunt. I'm so sorry. It's okay. No, I'm happy you did because I, I got to deep dive. So first, I said vacuum cleaners because I hate the sound of people using a vacuum. Like I hate. I can use <laughs> my own vacuum. So random. But if somebody else is vacuuming and I'm just like sitting there trying to do something, I want to kill someone. But the sound that I really freaking hate, and this is. Okay, I hate the sound of breathing. I cannot stand the sound of breathing. Oh, so like if you're in an elevator with someone and the other person's like just heavy. <sighs> I can't. <laughs> I cannot do it. I cannot do it. And I'm sure I breathe. Like if I'm sleeping next to someone and I'm like can't sleep and they're breathing, that will keep me up because I'll just be super zoomed in on their breathing. Yet I'm sure I breathe loud when I'm sleeping. We all do, but I hate the sound of breathing. <laughs> Get so the gross. fuck out of my apartment right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm breaking up with you. Why? Because you breathe. You breathe. <laughs> I don't like you breathing. <laughs> oh, wow, or when people breathe, one. some people breathe when they breathe through their nose, it makes a whistling sound that like makes me cringe. Oh, yeah, that's a that's I can't do that. I, I don't understand that. And just breathe through your mouth at that point. You can't just be whistling. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's inappropriate. <laughs> Freak of nature whistles through their nose. Mm. Okay, now the drag question. How did we find the Empress? Okay, so the Empress came, it's two folds. Um, firstly, it's inspired by the now deposed uh, Iranian royal family. Um, the Pahlavi, the Shah Pahlavi's wife. She actually had three wives. First one divorced him. Second one couldn't have kids, so they had to divorce. Third one was the Empress Farah Pahlavi. And this is not a political thing. Like, I know he did a lot of fucked up things and whatever, but she, that wasn't her. That was him. She did a lot of good things. Like, she get, she helped get women the, the, the right to vote. And she was, like, um, brought the arts into Iran. And she was just this uber glamorous wow. beautiful like 70s glamour that i'm obsessed with like with like that like sort of slick back low bouffant or like head wraps with wide leg pants oh, like fabulous she was just so fabulous i love the empress pharah um so it was inspired by that um also because clearly i'm persian and i'm royalty so i want to be the of empress. course <laughs> and the other thing was is like Actually, this kind of ties into what we were talking about earlier with drag. Like, I don't do normal drag things because I have a certain drag fantasy and drag is a fantasy, right? My yeah. fantasy is to be royalty. Um, my fantasy is not, like, I don't find the idea of lip syncing in a bar for $1 bills. That doesn't <laughs> fit my fantasy at all. <laughs> at all. That is not all. royalty. And I discussed this with Teddy, <laughs> actually. Like, I don't understand why we were tipping drag queens $1 in the 60s. And 60 years later, we're still tipping them a dollar. There's been a lot of inflation. I mean, come on. A dollar in the so 60s true. is like 20 bucks. So people should be giving drag queens $20 bills, not $1 bills. Like, that's fucked up. For sure. But I digress. <laughs> I don't. That's not part of my fantasy. My fantasy does not involve like slaving over a sewing machine or a steamer on my hair. Mm -hmm. um, that is not what I'm <laughs> yeah. about. So maybe I'm not a drag queen after all. So we'll just say I'm a drag empress because an empress. Yes. Comes a queen. So I love that. Day. That is drag integrity. <laughs> there you go. 
And I'm actually thinking right. of adding the word Mizrahi. So my name would be the Empress Mizrahi because I'm a Mizrahi Jew. A Mizrahi Jew is a Jew who never left the Middle East or North Africa after diaspora. Um, so I definitely use that a lot in my work, in my drag. So I would like to represent, I think I'd like to represent that in my name as well. Wow, that's fantastic. I didn't know any of this stuff. You're like history teaching me. You're like schooling <laughs> me. This is great. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, thank you. What is, this is a great one. I love this one. Finally, yeah. James Lipton has a good one. What is your <laughs> favorite, favorite, favorite curse word? I mean, honestly, it's not very original, but whenever I curse like that, you know when something happens and it's just like this guttural curse comes out of you, it's always fucking fuck. Yes. Two words together. Fucking fuck. That, so that's my favorite curse. Oh my God. I love that you say that too, because I, I definitely do the fucking fuck. I love that. Fuck is a great <laughs> one. It's a classic. It just always works, and it's got that hard K that's so satisfying. Fuck. That's exactly what it is. It's a harsh word. Like, fucking fuck, fuck, fucking fuck. fuck. Like, you, just, <laughs> you don't need any other words. Like, that's it. Yeah. Agreed. I love that. Okay, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? So this one's tough for me because I really don't want a profession, if I'm perfectly honest. I would just be happy <laughs> being like, I, I'm convinced I'm like, I was supposed to be a rich Persian housewife, like living in Beverly Hills, <laughs> shopping at Bloomingdale's and then returning everything after I read. Like that was the life I was meant to live. So ask right. me what my profession. But I will say this, I went on a... Um, on a trip to Israel with an organization called JDC Entwine to learn about the outreach work that they do in Israel. Um, mm. And one of the places we visited was um, a youth village called Aloni Yitzchak. And it was basically a, a boarding school, but it was so much more than that. And it was for kids who are either came from broken families or kids that their families lived in fucked up countries and they're trying to emigrate to Israel. So they send their kids. Oh, wow. to um, or, kids that are orphaned or whatever and this place was like a farm they had a farm they had chickens they had like they were growing their own vegetables and fruit and i was just so impressed with this place and half the kids were so badly behaved and they were like definitely the bad kids but i found yeah. them all so endearing and they were so fascinated with us and some of them loved me. They loved my little Comme de Garçon Converse shoes and they were obsessed with that. And um, I really connected with some of these kids and I just thought, oh my God, I would seriously give everything I have, like not like I have that much, but give it yeah. all up and move there to work with these kids as like some kind of counselor or something, excuse me, some kind of counselor or teacher with them. So that would be my profession. That's phenomenal. See, you dug deep on that one. From royalty to helping children. <laughs> the Empress, that was that was good. That was really good. <laughs> Thank you. All right, I got two more left. One of them's mine, one of them's Lipton's. If okay. I had a time machine and you can go back and live in any year in history and be any age, what would those be and what would be your plan? Okay, I did not have to think hard about this one. I mm -hmm. would be 22 years old. It would be 1977. I would be in Manhattan going to Studio 54, partying with Halston and Andy Warhol. I would be fucking flawless. I would be <laughs> so diva. I mean, Andy Warhol would be, be obsessed with me and want to make yes. me. 
Halston would just throw <laughs> free clothes at me. Um, the freaking the guy, what's his name? Rubella, whatever his name is, who ran Studio 54, would like just uh, oh, like, yeah, move yeah. the crowds out of the way for me to enter through the front door. Like I would be Studio 54 royalty. I would snort cocaine all night and not have a single hangover. Um, I would come in on a big, <laughs> yes. giant white horse. Like I would, all of it, all of it, honey. I'd have sex with Mick Jagger yes. in the balcony upstairs. Like, <laughs> it would just be next level disco. <laughs> That is what I'm talking about. That's that's a plan. That's what I like to hear. I'm so glad I put that question in because oh, that was a good one. You know, that's not a waste. See, I feel like a lot of people with the time machine would really waste it. They want to do all this like big shit, but that is perfect. Thank you. Oh my god, I love that. <laughs> and uh, all these people just want to go back and like stop wars and shit. No, fuck yeah, that. I want cocaine and Studio Fifty Four. Exactly. <laughs> Fucking priorities. I love that. All right, my last one is uh, the the uh, quintessential James Lipton question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Mm -hmm. So this one I did have to think about because this was um, this this one really makes you think. Um, so I include a lot of my Jewish identity in my like activism and online activism, um, and I will more quite often actually i was going to say occasionally but quite often i get pushback from like fanatic orthodox people who will start telling me not to include my jewishness in what i do because what i do is a sin against god and yada 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 so yeah. i think it would be um really nice to get to the pearly gates and for god to say you know what you did good thanks for showing others who are like you that they are valid and that they are okay so come on in. We got Jim Morrison waiting for you with his legs wide open. Yes, <laughs> yes. Oh, if I could, <laughs> if I could snap the screen like they do with the claps and the snaps, I'd be doing it right now. That is great. <laughs> That's really good. I love that. Thank you so much for hanging in there with me. That was. Oh really my fun. God, no! Thank you so much. I'm very long-winded sometimes, so I'm sorry. It's probably my fault. I have long answers to everything. But no, that's you. my favorite. You're you're a great guest because my I love when I don't have to talk. So that's perfect. That's just, <laughs> that's what I'm looking for in people. That's what I'm looking for. I'm gonna I'm gonna play these last two little messages. Okay. Moist is the best word in the English language. <laughs> <laughs> to Thank some people, you. it is. Yeah. <laughs> we need a gay president. Yes, we do. Oh, that'd be great. Uh, really but like, do. I want a really gay president. I don't want some like hetero conforming masculine. Like, I want a really gay president. <laughs> yeah. We want like what's his name? The the workout guy from the eighties, Simmons. No, Richard Simmons. Yes, that'd be great. Yeah, we want him for president. <laughs> Richard Simmons, twenty twenty four. And thank you for uh, humoring me on stereo app. Feel free to delete it if you if you if you want to get rid of it. Um, but, um, <laughs> so much i really appreciate it yeah thank you so much for having me it was such a pleasure and such an honor and i, I really I, if anything i'm really happy i got to reconnect with you in person and not on facebook or instagram or whatever so um, i know me too like we should definitely like talk more often like maybe when pandy's gone away we can like have coffee or something we should when pandemic is over like let's be real people okay perfect I love All right, it. I'll see you on the Instagram. Thank you so much. All right, love. Take care. Bye. Bye.
Thank you guys for listening and downloading and rating and reviewing and all that fun stuff. Thank you to my guest today for joining me. You can follow the show on Instagram at Thomas Anonymous Pod. Remember to download Stereo and also follow Thomas Anonymous on Stereo. That way you will know when I'm broadcasting live this show and other fun things I do on Stereo. Sometimes it's inappropriate. Sometimes it's super profesh. I'll see you there. Okay, bye. <laughs>